Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 30, Food is Medicine for Mental Health, part two. So last week we dug into the role of inflammation and blood sugar as aspects that when controlled can support mental wellness, but when imbalanced can drive mental health issues from anxiety to depression to borderline personality disorders, schizophrenia, and beyond. Absolutely. In today's episode, we're going to be digging into some specific nutrients and their role in mental health, whether that plays a role in neurotransmitter production or the influence of drivers that would create imbalance. And then we're also going to be digging into some lifestyle support elements, and we're going to talk about considerations in contraceptives driving mental health concerns. So last episode, we offered you all two discounts, and we just want to repeat those starting off to support your mental wellness. So first one was 15% off the already discounted bundle of the anti-anxiety diet book and the anti-anxiety diet cookbook. Um, So the discount is anxiety 15 for 15% off that bundle of books gives you the what and the why behind a lot of what we talked about last episode and a lot of what's coming in this episode. Yes. So all of the recipes in both the book and cookbook are going to be free of those top five pro-inflammatory foods. As we discussed, when the brain is inflamed, it just doesn't work appropriately. And this can be seen through mental illness. It can also be seen through cognitive decline, as well as even issues with brain fog, difficulty concentrating and focusing. So even if you aren't directly dealing with anxiety, this is one to really harness that HPA axis, which is that fight or flight mechanism in the brain and body, help you feeling in a grounded, optimal brain function, and can be appropriate application for all members of the household. So we hope you'll take us up on that and check out anxiety 15 at ally miller rd to save on the bundle of the anti-anxiety diet and the anti-anxiety diet cookbook okay and then just last wednesday was class two of our live 12-week foodist medicine ketosis class so we've now taught two of the six classes but all classes are going to be archived so you're able to watch them and re-watch them at your own pace within the context of the class. Um, but our live class is going to include access to us and our private community on Slack, as well as supplement and lab savings. And it really keeps you accountable to get results. So if last episode, that concept of nutritional ketosis resonated with you and you haven't taken our class yet, it's not too late. We're going to give you a hundred dollars off since we have already started. Um, so you can use the code key. 100 and you'll save $100 off the $299 program, making it $199. Awesome. So that's it for updates. Just wanted to give you guys a couple nuggets of savings there to make sure we didn't miss that. We'll also link those in the show notes. Uh, we'll have a word from today's sponsor, Fond Bone Broth, and then we will jump into Food as Medicine for Mental Health Part 2. 
yeah, we're sipping on fun literally as we speak. It's a yes. cold, ice stormy day yes. in Texas. It's about to drop temperature and fond is like getting us through. <laughs> Absolutely. We're both sipping actually on the conductor, which is one of my favorite flavors in their line. It's a blend of butternut, squash, chipotle, and rosemary. And what's unique about fond bone broth is all of their food as medicine comes together with selected ingredients, all in that vehicle of quality bone broth from grass-fed pasture-raised animals or cage-free roaming chickens. They incorporate the backs and the feet so you get a good amount of gelatin, collagen, and glutamine for gut restoration. So bone broth already is deeply nourishing and kind of like a facelift for your gut, aiding in that gut integrity and reducing inflammation. But then Fond takes it the next level to create these synergistic flavor profiles that are delicious. They serve as like a sous chef in your kitchen, really taking anything that you're making to the next level as far as flavor diversity and they blend in a good strategy of synergy of food as medicine as well now what I will state to note if you haven't tried fond yet is this is still a clear bone broth so they're just infusing like the skin of the butternut squash they're not gonna be blending that starchy vegetable in there so your bone broth is still going to be zero grams of carbs a great vehicle for optimizing your macros if you're looking to get ketogenic because each jar has 20 grams of protein and you're going to be getting again these amino acids that aid in gut restoration aid in thinning out mucus and phlegm there's a lot of knack in bone broth as well so you're getting that cysteine uh, really beautiful bouquet of flavor great replacement for your morning coffee or tea as a way to kind of start to harness that gut lining support or after a long weekend we also have talked about on past episodes how we like to employ like a bone broth fast to recalibrate if food was overindulgent or we were making choices that were a little bit more inflammatory over the weekend so fondbonebroth.com is where you want to go to check out this wellness well-made product fondbonebroth.com and check out their spring clean which is one of my favorite kitchen staples this is the yellow onion lemon and radish blend i also am loving the youth tonic which is the shiitake sage and shallot has more of that umami flavor profile and is asking to have like cod sliced up in there with some scallions and maybe some nori sheets and then like we said we're sipping on the conductor and just wanted to share with listeners we've updated the savings code for them as a podcast sponsor so we want you to use the code naturally nourished at checkout when you use naturally nourished you will save 15% on your order and again that's over at fondbonebroth.com and one more update from our friends at fond is that they have just received certification of being regenerative and so now we feel super confident that every purchase of fond bone broth that they're really doing their part in healing people as well as pastures one jar at a time uh, they have nine different chicken varieties and three different beef varieties and this is all going to be ensuring that the places they're purchasing from are participating in regenerative farming which is the only way to sequester carbon in our soil and create viability in the soil so just as bone broth is a vehicle to heal your gut regenerative farming is really the only way to repair and heal our soil so we're super excited to support them going over to fondbonebroth.com use the code naturally nourished to save 
All right, so going back just to last episode real quick, we know that a keto diet or high fat and low carb diet can enhance body and mind. It can help to regulate low glucose levels, in turn reducing the insulin response, and it's going to have anti-inflammatory mechanisms that help to reduce excitatory neuron activity in the brain, help to mellow and stabilize you. Yeah, we talked about how when you are producing ketones that you actually are in this gabernogenic or GABA-building expressive pathway. And GABA is one of those primary neuroinhibitory or mellowing out compounds. We also discussed that ketones cross the blood-brain barrier and in doing so have a very grounding effect on our excitatory neurotransmitters. And this is one of the mechanisms in which the ketogenic diet has been long seen or acknowledged through mainstream medical field for use in regulating epilepsy or seizure activity. So when you maintain a consistent low glucose level, you're getting off of those mountain peaks and valleys of dysregulation. Then also when you're getting off of those mountain peaks and valleys and you're regulating at a constant lower level, you're reducing your insulin demand. And that in itself can be very favorable, as you mentioned, Becky, because insulin itself is a pro-inflammatory compound. And something that we kind of visited a couple times last week's episode is this synergistic effect. So when you're using the ketogenic diet as a way of optimizing mood, you're also likely, by bringing down that glucose and insulin, reducing metabolic disease aiding in maintenance of muscle mass while burning body fat, uh, aiding in estrogen dominance if dealing with hormone imbalance in the body. And there's really quite a broad stroke of the varied mechanisms which could yield whole body health as opposed to the imbalance we can see if we're just looking at Band-Aid solution for mental illness. Sure. And then we really like to take our keto approach another step further and make it a more Mediterranean style keto. And this would be super appropriate um, with all of what we talked about last episode in mind and reducing, you know, or eliminating dairy for um, some time. So let's talk a little bit about how that's different. Yes. And we, you know, touched on that hunter-gatherer aspect of how when we talk about inflammation, omega-6 have continued to go up in the standard American diet. And when we're looking at a approach to nutritional ketosis, if it's a dirty keto and you're using factory farmed animals and you're using these processed products, you're going to still be seeing excitotoxins in the diet from, you know, bars and different flavored, like the nacho cheesy, crunchy things and et cetera. And so just because something is devoid of carbs does not mean that it's an optimal food as medicine substrate. We really emphasize even in our protein selection starting from there looking at grass-fed and pasture-raised because we know that these sources are going to have more omega-3 fatty acids or CLAs which can have favorable impact as opposed to the higher omega-6 we'll see in a factory farm meat. We incorporate wild-caught fish as a food as medicine goal to further enhance that omega-3 status and we're encouraging two to three cups of leafy greens per day which is really that precursor to our omega-3s giving us that ALA which can be very favorable as we get into other mechanisms and talk about B vitamins. We think of foliage providing us folate and that plays a huge role in mental health. 
So of course we are using the ketogenic diet by restricting carbohydrates and we do jump into a restriction of total grams, 30 gram uh, and no more. And we do total, not net carbs, to jump into this phase one type ketogenic approach. But then what's beautiful about our food as medicine strategy is we will have qualitative goals as we turn that dial through the progress. And at about six weeks of tight nutritional ketosis, once the body has become fat adapted or is using ketones as a fuel source, as opposed to just exclusively burning glucose or sugar as fuel, we provide this opportunity to start to continue to increase amounts of phytocompounds in the diet, striving for whole food-based fibers, and really getting an array of antioxidants as food as medicine strategy. And so we may see individuals tolerating 45 or 50 grams of carbs a day, and now they're eating raspberries and blackberries and increasing their portion of Brussels sprouts with bacon in their evening meal with their steak. And this is a great way to ensure that we're getting more of those antioxidants in while still maintaining the benefit of producing ketones. Yes, and we have a whole um, YouTube video actually about our Mediterranean keto approach that I'll go ahead and link in the show notes. Um, Also, we want to emphasize, you know, a balance of fat sources, not chasing fat for ketones and generally we're kind of cranking up that dial more into the protein than most classic keto approaches. Absolutely and that's really key because as we'll discuss today amino acids or protein building blocks are actually our building blocks for neurotransmitters. So when we're talking about mental health we'll often see in a protein deficient diet individuals dealing with more cognitive decline brain fog, but we can even see low levels of things like serotonin or dopamine in individuals that don't have ample protein intake. And so getting protein a little bit higher than a classic keto is generally a strategy that we use. And then, right, not chasing fats and using variety of fat choice. So getting in olive oil versus just looking at the coconut oil and the butter. Yep. Um, And then obviously it's free of processed foods. Like you said, we're not doing those bars. We're not doing the keto ice cream products. And this is where, you know, quality is more important than macros as many of those keto products are going to go back to those, you know, inflammatory foods that we talked about in part one using corn flour or a corn derived fiber or something like that, or a non-caloric sweetener that is, guess what? Corn derived. Yes, no doubt. And so not only is that going to have that inflammatory omega-6 property, but also we'll see that glyphosate, that toxin we talked about that's applied agriculturally to corn products. And there are even keto products that will use wheat in them, like a lot of the low-carb breads out there and such, and they'll say keto-friendly. And so again, it really matters the what you're eating, and then it really matters, is this a whole food or a processed product of the industry? And then based on whole food choices, we want to look at adjusting your macronutrients, bringing down the carbohydrates so that your body can get into the body fat reserves or the quality fat sources in your diet to produce ketones for that mental health harness. Okay, so the diet as a base is going to be this anti-inflammatory keto. um, And by doing so, you're keeping out that corn, that wheat, that refined sugar. Let's now layer on some of the important nutrients of focus to support when we're talking about mood stability and managing mental illness. Yes. So one I'll kick off with is vitamin C, and I'll try to kind of categorize these as we go along. 
And so vitamin C would be, as we talk about antioxidants, kind of like that step, step kid or tiny on the line of vitamin C with glutathione being the tip top matriarch. Vitamin C is like the kid's sister. And so when we look at vitamin C, that might be something that seems surprising as far as mental health is concerned. But we have seen in many research studies that individuals that have low levels of vitamin C or actual vitamin C deficiency are often experiencing fatigue or depression. And we've seen in also studies that individuals that have lower levels of vitamin C have seen mood improvement after they received vitamin C in supplemental form. So when we're looking at vitamin C, one of the interesting connections here is that vitamin C is highest stored in our adrenal glands. And remember, our adrenal glands actually make neurotransmitters. So in the medulla of our adrenal gland, we're making our norepinephrine, our epinephrine, and our dopamine. And we know that with optimal vitamin C levels, we get a favorable metabolism from our dopamine to norepinephrine and epinephrine. But if vitamin C levels are deficient, we can have an inadequate relationship of that norepinephrine and kind of break to that epinephrine adrenaline fight or flight surge and so we're talking about mania or variability in mood these catecholamines or stress responding neurotransmitters are heavily influenced by vitamin c supplementation and vitamin c in the diet super super cool and then there have been studies on kiwi fruit and other various functional foods like produce citrus um, that show that they can help to reduce oxidative stress, of course, uh, but also that ascorbic acid or vitamin C can produce an antidepressant-like effect uh, by interacting with the monoaminergenic system in animal models. Yes, absolutely. So that's kind of one of those direct that vitamin C has that anti-NMDA effect. And so leaning into foods such as kiwi, which is a great source, citrus, as you mentioned, citrus zest, we use a lot of that in the anti-anxiety diet for that reason. So we're zesting citrus and including that in baked muffins, etc., into teas like matcha. We could add in Camu Camu, which is a powdered vitamin C boost for supplements uh, in smoothies. Uh, tea would be a great source of vitamin C, as well as elderberry and cranberry. And I would call out specific to our BioC Plus, we do have a great episode we'll link on vitamin C, an entire hour plus. <laughs> so that would be a great one to listen to. And what makes our, our BioC Plus a plus is that it is going to be derived from acerola cherry as the source so there's this whole food source of vitamin c and then you still get the active dosage of ascorbic acid and we're getting 600 milligrams per capsule so by taking two bio c plus per day you're getting 1.2 grams or 1200 milligrams and what makes it plus beyond the sourcing from whole food acerola cherry is that there's also bioflavonoids in the formula which provide unique phytocompound antioxidants. There is quercetin in here as well as ruatine. And these compounds have been shown to be anti-inflammatory, aid with seasonal allergies and beyond. And so all of that's going to help to reduce that oxidative stress or inflammation in the brain. Okay. And then we also know that BioC um, plus and, and, uh, vitamin C in general can help to increase our progesterone. In fact, we were just musing on this ourselves that neither of us have been on bioidentical progesterone in some time. Um, and our progesterone is 
hanging tight. Yeah, it's really wild. Uh, so in that study, well, in the episode, excuse me, on vitamin C, we talked about a study in which women who took 750 milligrams, so that would be less than two capsules daily of our Bio-C Plus, saw an increase of 77% of production levels. And so yes, both Becky and I being high-stressed individuals had historically run progesterone deficient. And that connects to that pregnenolone steel, how when the body's in this survival mode, it's actually looking at surviving over reproductive health. And so progesterone levels will often dip in order to maintain keeping the cortisol values online or trying to preserve or maintain the adrenal glands. So by taking that BioC Plus, we've harnessed and supported the actual adrenal gland. We've seen that balance in those catecholamine stress-responding neurotransmitters, but also by holding up that pillar of the tent, now progesterone levels are able to replete as well. So it's pretty cool as I'm speaking to you at age 38, someone who needed bioidentical progesterone at age 31, but now, you know, kind of going against the clock of time, whereas as we age, progesterone levels should in theory decline and mine are actually robustly rebounding. And I think that that's a huge testament as just one mechanism to this nutrient of focus. But we do see in research that as progesterone levels go down, Progesterone itself is an anxiolytic, excuse me, an anxiolytic or an anxiety-reducing compound. And so as those values go up, that could also help as mental health harness. Sure. Um, And then, you know, we've talked a little bit about the oxidative stress aspect too. So protecting the brain um, in terms of, of the oxidative stress piece. Yeah, so less inflammation, the brain works better is really the big thing there. Yeah, Um, and then cortisol modulation, we've touched on a little bit of that here as well. Yeah, if you're someone that has actual known clinical adrenal insufficiency or adrenal fatigue, we would probably recommend getting that third or fourth capsule Mm -hmm. of Bio-C+, because we see in clinical studies when we are dealing with adrenal insufficiency, especially a phase three, we really need like two to five grams of vitamin C daily, but for most people that two capsules daily is going to be appropriate and have an influential element on mental health yes um and then remembering that you know the a in the hpa access is our adrenals um so another connection there and then you know we want to talk b vitamins too when we're talking about adrenals yes so we think heavily on b vitamins as essential for adrenal function and we know that b vitamin deficiency has specifically been linked maybe even stronger than vitamin c with depression as well as psychiatric disorders and this is because b vitamins are required for the function of our methylation cycle as well as our monoamine oxide production as well as our dna synthesis and repair and the maintenance of our phospholipids so you know when we're looking at our cell membranes and how our cells are communicating, B vitamins play an integral role. And I've also referred to them as a cofactor or an activator. So when we're looking at, for instance, the pathway to produce 
serotonin, we're looking at a amino acid, so tryptophan, which actually will convert to 5-hydroxy tryptophan and then will convert into serotonin. And along those conversion pathways from L-tryptophan to 5-hydroxy to serotonin, we require B6 as a primary cofactor in aiding in that conversion. And we do see when we look at deficiency of B vitamins that deficiency can influence memory function, cognitive impairment, and drive dementia and particularly the B vitamins that we see tied to neuronal function and depression are B1, B3, B6, folate, and B12. And then for food sources, we really want to focus here on our meat, um, our seafood, our poultry, eggs, dairy products, leafy greens, um, nuts and seeds as, as good sources of those B vitamins. Yes. And then if looking at supplemental strategy, we would start with that B complex. And as we called out in last week's episode, making sure that you avoid fortified foods. Mm. And that's why we pull not just gluten for that opioid function of gluten and the leaky gut function of gluten, but even the fact that most of the time when you're consuming gluten, it's an enriched flour. And that has that folic acid. And that can interfere with this process of methylation. So to note, our B complex would have all of those B vitamins noted, and it's going to have this nature folate, which has this quadrifolate, this methylated form, as well as organic spinach in there to get that whole form of folate that we would see in greens. Yes. Um, And I specifically want to call out B6 as we're talking about B vitamins, and I know we're going to talk methylation too here in a little bit, Um, but B6 is in so many of our formulas, and this is due to its key role as a cofactor, and when it comes to mental health, it really has a significant impact. Yes. So I mentioned its role in converting that 5-HTP into serotonin, but B6 is required for the body to produce many neurotransmitters. So we all also see its role in dopamine, in epinephrine, and glycine. And so there's that connection with that dopamine, epinephrine in that world of the adrenals. We know that B6 also plays a role with GABA, which remember GABA is that neuroinhibitory compound that helps us to offset that fight or flight surginess in the brain and the body. So B6 has a critical role for normal or optimized cognitive function, as well as managing and balancing mood. Uh, And this can aid when in an optimal level with a calm focus and provide even joy or pleasure in the human body. So we know that B6 plays a huge role in metabolism of many feel-good neurotransmitters and that deficiency of B6 can lead to an increase in even neurotoxic kynurene pathway metabolites and these are a newer potential mechanism that we're seeing in studies in the functional world space with autism and ADHD. So you'll see by the B6 form uh, in a bioavailable level in our adrenal support at a pretty hefty dosage because again there's that adrenal glandular connection in our cellular antiox which has that NAC and S-acetylated glutathione because it works as a cofactor in the conversion and building of glutathione. You'll see it in our B complex as I mentioned and then in all of our multivitamins. So whether that's the multi-avail mama, the uh, multi-avail kids or the multi-defense, we're going to see this bioavailable form of all B vitamins, including a pretty hefty dosage of B6. 
Yes. And then um, methylation, um, as we mentioned, is just such a key element to mental health. We wanted to offer something um, a bit more strategic. Um, So we are going to be coming out with a new formula in the next two weeks or so, which is methyl complete. Yes. So methyl complete is going to be a formula that specifically focuses on this biochemical process of methylation. And methylation is essentially the process of building or excreting. So technically speaking, getting a little more nerdy, it's a chemical reaction in the body in which a small molecule called a methyl group gets added to DNA, proteins, or other molecules. And this addition of the methyl group can affect how other molecules in the body behave, um, as well as even DNA sequencing, and can influence if a gene is turned on or turned off so that it does not produce another protein. And there's a big connection between MTHFR, which is a genetic SNP or single nucleotide polymorphism. Bear with me, we're getting there. And this MTHFR gene, it stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And this is a enzyme pathway that we've seen a lot of clinical data connecting mental health to. We know that MTHFR gene can be an important understanding to neurological health as well as mood and even energy levels when we're looking at things like chronic fatigue or aches like fibromyalgia. We know that the genotypes or the individuals that have decreased activity of the MTHFR enzyme will often have lower levels of folate because it's that methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And so with the lower levels of B9 or folate, they'll have less circulating methylfolate, which means these individuals likely have less of that donor methyl group and are methylating at a lower level. Got it. Um, so yeah, that's that's just one snip that we see a lot of issues with, um, for sure, and and linked to several you know psychiatric diseases, schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, autism, ADHD, and more. Yes. So DNA methylation has been an important area of research that we've seen in more up to date psychiatric associated disorders and we've seen the use of even medications so Deplin namely is a high dose 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate or a methylated form of folate and we've seen that being used in conjunction with neurotransmitter psychiatric medications to aid in the regulating of the methylation of genes or the Uh, expression of this pathway by giving excess of that donor methyl group. Yes. Um, We'll link um, some studies in this department as well. And and, um, we've been acknowledging the need for methylation support, obviously, in our multis, our B vitamins. We just decided we needed something a little bit more targeted, focused for all of the reasons we've just mentioned. Yes. So our methyl complete is a comprehensive formula that features calcium L5-methyl tetrahydrofolate, and that's the body-ready, nature-identical folate, along with N-acetyl-L-cysteine, or NAC, as well as B6, and methylcobalamin, or the methylated form of B12, as well as betaine 
HCL. And together, these nutrients can drive and support methylation, which is going to regulate optimal mood, provide that group to form energy and DNA replication on a healthy, optimal level, and can even modulate or reduce levels such as homocysteine. And, you know, homocysteine is one diagnostic objective measure that you can assess to see where your methylation status is at. You can definitely test your genes to see if you have an MTHFR SNP, and you could be either heterozygous, meaning one copy is mutated, or homozygous, meaning both copies are mutated. Either way, though, the homocysteine would be more of a true biomarker of the expression based on that genetic predisposition or tendency. And, you know, we kind of go into that concept um, and we have in the past when we've talked about genetic testing is that that's an opportunity, not necessarily the outcome. Um, But if you wanted to see your methylation status, running homocysteine would be a good lab to consider. And taking a form of 5-methyltetrahydrofolate is important if dealing with mental health issues because the 5-MTHF is the active form that's actually been shown to cross the blood-brain barrier and this can really maintain that balance of the excitatory glutamate as well as balancing the inhibitory GABA levels in our central nervous system and has been a big proposed mechanism of supporting against psychiatric disease. Yes, and we have a whole episode on methylation uh, methylation coming up, and then we have a whole episode on homocysteine coming up as yes. well. So we'll dig in um, much deeper. We'll link uh, our new formula, assuming it's ready to rock, um, in our show notes, and um, stay tuned for those couple of episodes coming up. All right. Yeah, I think the last time we talked methylation was way back in episode 69. It's been a minute. I did an episode on epigenetics and methylation. And then episode 70, we had Dr. Ben Lynch Mm -hmm. come on talking about dirty genes. But we are speaking to you at episode 330. So we're due. We talk about it all the time, but we want to make sure y'all know what we're saying. (laughs) Yes. So that's B vitamins. So we've gotten through vitamin C and B vitamins. And in the world of B vitamins, the importance of ensuring that they're active methylated forms as well as a little bit of a a focus on that B6 as a cofactor. Okay. Um, So next up, magnesium deficiency. We've seen this associated with anxiety disorders, migraines, mental depression, um, and glycine um, plays a role in methylation as well. So when we think about magnesium bisglycinate with that glycine attached there, um, that specifically would be a really good consideration. Yes. So when we look at magnesium bisglycinate, this is the form that crosses the blood-brain barrier and has actually been able to reduce excitatory stress response by downregulating the pituitary stimulation of ACTH, which is the adrenocorticotropic hormone that would stimulate turning on the adrenals. So basically, I think of magnesium bisglycinate as like the bodyguard at the club that stands up to the pituitary and says, no more turning on Mm -hmm. this crazy guy. Let's get back into regulatory function. And so that magnesium bisglycinate would instead tell the pituitary to make your FSH and LH or your follicular stimulation hormone and luteal hormone or it's going to support that TSH that thyroid stimulating hormone as opposed to the again ACTH which just stresses and turns on that survival gland of the adrenals so that's a huge mechanism of itself and probably why we refer to magnesium as 
the original chill pill. Uh, it also has the ability of reducing neuromuscular stress. And so this can be tension we hold in the jaw. This can also even be seen in the world of like hypertension or elevated blood pressure, heart disease, and inflammation. All of these can be linked to magnesium deficiency. And the reality is, is that magnesium is really involved in 300 plus enzyme pathways in the body. And when we're under higher amounts of neuromuscular stress that can be physiological or stress from emotional tension, we burn through magnesium at higher rates. And we're looking at 68 plus percent of Americans being deficient in magnesium. So this is a big one and, you know, likely still the most common deficiency. Yes. Um, So we're looking at sources of magnesium in dark chocolate, my personal favorite one um, to get it from. They are um, nuts and seeds, leafy greens, avocados, and beets. Yes. So there is some overlap, of course, in avocados, leafy greens, nuts, and seeds, where you'll get the B vitamins and the magnesium and more synergy of food as medicine when you get kind of double dips of nutrients there. And then, you know, due to the prevalence of deficiency with the majority of Americans having an inadequate amount of magnesium, as well as the role of it as a significant relaxing driver of getting into that mellowed out response in the body, uh, I definitely recommend supplementing with magnesium in that mag bisglycinate form. And when you look at our relax and regulate powder, which is our top seller in our supplement line, um, you know, this is a key player because it has that magnesium bisglycinate. This is absolutely essential, especially when transitioning to a low carb diet because often electrolytes are off and this can throw off um, arrhythmia or cardiovascular rhythm. But what's more is that our Relax and Regulate also has myo-inositol. And myo-inositol would be kind of a cousin in the B vitamin family. This is a nutrient that also enhances intracellular signaling. And this inositol or vitamin B8 plays an integral role in our cell membrane health and favorably impacts our feel-good chemical messengers in the brain of our dopamine and our serotonin. And so that blend of both magnesium and myo-inositol would really make the Relax and Regulate a foundational formula because you're getting that regulation of not stressing or turning on that fight-or-flight mechanism in the body and kind of mellowing out, reducing neuromuscular tension, and then also helping on intracellular signaling and supporting that serotonin and dopamine. Yes, and and you know that magnesium deficiency also often goes hand-in-hand with inositol deficiency in those who are experiencing depression. Totally. And and we see, you know, even things like insomnia being corrected sure. with ample myo-inositol, uh, PCOS, to name a few other sim- yep. symptoms that seem way outside the box or different medical conditions. And there could definitely be an overlap there. Totally. Okay. The next one also involved in many, many um, reactions in the body is zinc. Let's talk about that. Yes. So zinc was shown to be 12% lower in depressed individuals and is incrementally associated with the severity of depression. So the deeper the deficiency, the more severe of the mental illness. And we know that zinc plays a role in the synaptic plasticity in the brain and plays a role with the learning process. 
We know that zinc in optimized stomach acid will actually aid in the breakdown of glutamine. So again, glutamate can become excitatory. And when we metabolize down glutamine in the optimal environment, especially with good zinc status, we'll manufacture more GABA from that glutamate. And so we're going from that fight or flight surgy excitatory mode into an optimal mellow out mode in the brain and the body. And then we know also that zinc competes with copper. They're both divalent or plus two charge minerals and copper itself has been shown to drive excessive excitatory stress hormone. And so we've seen in individuals that have an imbalanced copper to zinc ratio, for instance, uh, exacerbating mental illness. So often needing zinc supplementation to offset that individuals. Yep. And I've seen that a lot in um, the new copper, they're not new, but the the copper IUD that's getting this big push. I know we're going to talk about birth control, birth control, uh, but the copper IUD can throw off that ratio. And I've seen that time and time again, where it's like, we trace back the root of when does it this severe, you know, debilitating anxiety start. And sure enough, it's within a year of having a copper IUD placed. So just right. food for thought there. And we can even see mania or severe PMDD, sure. even if the woman isn't cycling. Uh, definitely something to consider. And so we'd want to ensure in the food as medicine strategy, we're getting ample amounts of red meat and shellfish. These are great sources of zinc. We think of even pepitas like pumpkin seed in there. And then ensuring that your multivitamin is not getting too high in copper. All of our ratios are strategically thought out in our multis to have a nice relationship and then if needing a little bit more boost of zinc especially for someone that runs low dopamine you'd be a good candidate for the thyroid optimizer supplement which also has l-tyrosine that precursor amino acid to make both thyroid hormone thyroxine as well as to make dopamine and then you're getting that 25 extra milligrams of zinc in a chelated form sure and you're going to optimize your thyroid function, which low thyroid can certainly be linked to, you know, fatigue, depression, anxiety, all of the things. Constipation. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. And then next one, not necessarily a nutrient, but I know that you say probiotics are nature's Prozac and there's an entire chapter of the anti-anxiety diet on reset the microbiome. So let's just briefly hit on probiotics and how these can aid in mood stability. Yes, so we've seen dysbiosis actually driving mental illness and associating depression. The bacterioides are the family that we'll often see that if overgrown in the body can drive mental illness. And we talk about this in my book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet, of how basically your neurotransmitters go into an excitatory fight or flight survival mode if dysbiosis is severe Um, that enteric nervous system basically the brain in the belly or your second brain the brain in the gut is telling your central nervous system there's this bilateral communication and so the central nervous system can have favorable response to a symbiotic or optimal probiotic based gut a gut that has good bacterial balance of lactobacillus and bifidobacteria and then you'll actually manufacture more serotonin and GABA which are really good kind of regulators or harnesses for mental health. But if you're in a dysbiotic state and your gut has excessive fermentation, you have candida or yeast overgrowth or some form of dysbiosis of excessive bacterial imbalance, your body's actually going to manufacture more epinephrine. And again, that's that adrenaline fight or flight surge. And I've seen this as a root cause of mental illness 
across the board in various different conditions of mental illness where the individual especially is dealing with maybe some panic attacks or they don't maybe regulate a trend of an environmental stimulus and they're feeling kind of like they're this puppet that's being puppeteered by an external source. Sure. And that's actually because the biome is driving that fight or flight surge. So we do know controversially, like I said, on the other hand, that lactobacillus and bifidobacterium are associated with healthy mental state as well as an optimal innate immune response and reduced inflammation and the lactobacillus and bifidobacterium strains we have in our restore baseline probiotic our targeted strength but just at four times the dosage as well as in our kids biotic and even in our rebuild spectrum but just our rebuild spectrum has other added strains and we kind of lean on that following gut sterility or antibiotics. I would say if you have not done a probiotic challenge, this is the time to really consider that, especially if dealing with any form of mental illness or mental health needs. Uh, The probiotic challenge is a great way to determine where your microbiome status is at. So you use our Restore Baseline Probiotic And the two strains specifically, it's the Lactobacillus NCFM and the Bifidobacterium BIO5. These are the two strains that were shown in a blind, double-blinded, randomized clinical trial compared to fluoxetine. So they actually compared Prozac to these two strains of probiotic, and they found reduced depression and reduced mental illness symptoms when they did an assessment with less GI effects um, or of distress or side effects of those that took the Prozac. So the individuals that took the probiotic with the two strains that we have in our formulas actually saw a more favorable improvement on their mood and no symptom side effects, actually enhanced digestive function. Yes, super, super remarkable. Um, So I'll link the YouTube that you can watch there to learn how to do the probiotic challenge. That'll be homework from this episode. Yes. Um, And that'll give you an indication if you need to go further, do a little plowing with our Beat the Bloat Cleanse, or if you just need some good flora. Um, And then I would note if you're listening to this for maybe a family member who is just dealing with serious mood issues, you know, considering a medication or already on a medication or on two or three and unlikely to go and do you know this this two-week challenge of upping their probiotics and making notes you could just start them on the targeted strength probiotic immediately Mm -hmm. um, just to really flood their system with some of that good flora Absolutely. And then we would, of course, enhance as a synergy to get probiotic-rich foods daily. So we'd be looking at dairy-free options like sauerkraut, kombucha, pickled vegetables, and then maybe like a coconut-based yogurt would be an option. And I give you a recipe to make your own coconut-based yogurt using capsules of the Restore Baseline probiotic in my book. All right. Let's talk omega-3s. Yes. So we talked in last episode about, again, that hunter-gatherer ratio of how high omega-6s have actually trended with the increased rate of depression in the United States. 
And we see that as our intake of omega-3s have fallen over the past 50 to 100 years, we've only seen a, a really dramatic rise in mental illness. So it's important to consider the role of good fats and the role of fats in general on the brain. And when we look at our central nervous system, the central nervous system requires for the transmission of signals, even from our eyes to the brain, as well as even connecting with cardiovascular function and so much more, that the central nervous system requires omega-3 fatty acids to aid in nerve transduction and communication. And then outside of our central nervous system, we know that omega-3s are huge for cardiovascular health. They can actually protect against arrhythmia. They can reduce triglycerides and lower the risk of blood clots and can even discourage the growth of plaque in our arterial walls. So omega-3s are something that we keep in our essential wellness bundle because we find them to be one of those like, okay, a multivitamin, an omega-3, and a probiotic are kind of our one, two, three hits as absolute staples just based on clinical need. And then to go even further, we know that the EPA and DHA promote healthy brain development in babies, through pregnancy, and even in fertility timestamps, through breastfeeding, and on. Yes, let's cover the difference maybe between um, EPA and DHA and why they matter and then why they matter in synergy. Yes, so DHA and EPA are going to be found in cold fatty fish, cold water fatty fish. So we're looking at salmon, mackerel, halibut, sardines, tuna, herring as great sources. DHA is going to be concentrated in the brain's gray matter as well as in the retinas in the eyes. And DHA molecules are going to be these long chain fatty acids that are fluid and flexible and they actually become a part of the membrane of our brain cells and work at the level of our synapses. So this is where our chemicals actually, our neurotransmitter chemicals jump from cell to cell. And so they work at these synapses of cellular communication in our central nervous system. Now the EPA is also going to be a long chain fatty acid, another type of omega-3, but this does not become part of the brain cell structure. It helps more to reduce inflammation processes in the brain and it balances out metabolic pathways. So when we see that DHA maybe alone doesn't work well for depression, we know DHA is when we lean on more towards fetal brain development because of that actual integration in the synapses. We know that also in studies that you need actually a little bit more EPA than DHA when we're looking at results for mental illness. So EPA plus DHA, EPA being that anti-inflammatory and DHA being maybe more of that synaptic neurotransmitter element within the brain, they both in combination can improve primary depression. Um, And we've seen, we'll link a study that was done by New York State Psychiatric Institute, and there was 15 trials involving 916 participants, and they concluded that supplements with at least 60% EPA in its structure improved depression symptoms. And then they also looked at a ratio of about a 60 to 40 of EPA DHA to ease depression in people that... Uh, we're dealing with mental illness. Okay. And that's why we formulate our um, EPA DHA the way that we do in um, a very intentional ratio 
both in the EPA DHA um, capsule and then also in the liquid formula. Yes, and both provide a substantial dosage. So when we're talking about actual clinical outcomes, we've seen that two grams is kind of this placebo-controlled trial volume that we'll often see to be effective. And we've seen these to actually have benefits in depression and in even suicide. Uh, And so we've seen that low levels of omega-3s can be associated with suicide and self-harm. And even the National Institute of Health have recently discovered that low blood levels of omega-3s were widespread and raised the risk of suicide as much as 62%. So this is a big, remarkable concern as when we opened with part one of this episode, we were talking about the rise of severe mental illness and suicidal ideation. And so this is one of those, again, that I just think of as a classic baseline to reduce body inflammation, the inflammation in the brain, also health with cognition Um, and we've seen in study after study there was another one that looked at menopausal depression so we looked at women with major depression uh, menopausally and they took two grams of epa with dha in combination for eight weeks and 70 percent found that their mood improved 45 percent found that their depression went completely into remission so remarkable outcomes and another argument to definitely get these fatty cold water fish Uh, We'll be linking our nori wrapped salmon, which comes with a great YouTube video on stress busting snacks. And then again, you know, you can get this two gram dosage in just two capsules of our EPA DHA extra, as well as in a teaspoon of our EPA DHA liquid. And also just an added bonus in that study you just mentioned, uh, the participants also enjoyed fewer hot flashes. Um, There you go. So that is certainly a a big bonus. Yeah, I think we tend to just really hone in on estrogen changes. And often as Dr. Anna Kabeca talks about, you know, those hot flashes can be resolved by bringing down inflammation in the body. And that's why the ketogenic diet can be so beautiful as well. But upping those omega-3s in a ketogenic diet, even better. Sure. All right, um, let's talk about vitamin D as a really important nutrient for mental and physical health as well. And uh, let's talk about it in relation to depression. Yes, so various studies have shown that low vitamin D levels are linked to depression. And this is where we get a lot of that sad or seasonal affective disorder research where we're looking at areas where they get less sun exposure in those winter months, having vitamin D levels dip. And when using vitamin D supplements, seeing an improvement in depression symptoms. So the lower your vitamin D, generally speaking, the more likely you are to experience those seasonal affective blues. Uh, In 2013, there was a meta-analysis that looked at research involving a total of 31,000 plus people and found that having low levels of vitamin D increased the risk for depression. And with respect to mood, it's this serotonogenic pathway um, or that pathway that actually builds serotonin that would predict this influence. So people that have insufficient levels of vitamin D will actually be able to produce more serotonin or enhance the availability of serotonin in the brain via the TPH2 expression enzyme pathway. And so when we see improvements in their serum 25-hydroxy vitamin D status, we see better bioavailability of this neurotransmitter. 
super, super interesting. So our recommendation there would be a baseline of 5,000 IU of vitamin D, because um, most of us are running around deficient, um, yes. at least in a, a functional level, and then testing your vitamin D, um, ideally as you're going into like the fall, mm-hmm. um, certainly before winter hits. Um, and you can do just our simple um, vitamin D blood spot test, which is an at-home way to test your vitamin D. Yes. And that's also a formula that we have available both in a yes. liquid and capsule. And so we even include this in our kids wellness essentials bundle, both the EPA DHA liquid and the vitamin D balance blend liquid. Because again, why not prime for optimal mental health versus deal with issues with cognition and learning or behavioral issues that have you and your spouse white knuckling and battling every day and trying to come up with interventions. Why not provide them with the foundations that actually prevent the behavior and enrich brain function and actually optimize mood stability. All right. So we've had a lot of nutrients of focus um, and we've hit the food as medicine as well as supplemental support to go a little deeper. Um, Let's get to some lifestyle elements and then we'll round it all out. All right. So some of the lifestyle updates that I have here, I've talked about breath work in the past as far as finding a way to kind of harness the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is that primary nerve that goes all the way from the brainstem all the way down to the colon. And we know that when we can harness our vagus nerve, that we can harness also that autonomic nervous system, which is what that HPA access drives, basically. And so humming is something to consider. Actually, the palate and the roof of your mouth, when you get your tongue up to the top of the roof of your mouth, not only to quill a brain freeze, but also very favorable to actually start to get you into a parasympathetic space. So that's kind of the goal here is allowing the body to feel safe. And when the body is in that chronic fight or flight mode, it's trying to survive. And that's when we can see a driving imbalance in our mental health. So things we could consider is placing the tongue on the palate to help to regulate that vagus nerve sensation, Uh, practicing the four, seven, eight breath, which I talk about in the anti-anxiety diet, which is sealing your lips and inhaling for four through your nose, holding the breath for a count of seven, and then whooshing out for eight. That two to one ratio of exhale to inhale really helps to reset on about that third or fourth cycle of that breath work. The vagus nerve actually allows a response to get into that parasympathetic space. So breath work and actually where the tongue is in the mouth can have two favorable influences and then kind of connecting that humming is a really good one and I'm sure Becky can relate with little Miss Mabel at four months old uh, that there's that you know both like vibrational bouncing Mm -hmm. and that like low or even in the birthing process I'm sure that low like Mm -hmm. humming actually (laughs) that tone actually employs the vagus nerve Mm -hmm. and that actually also allows the body to get into this place that supports more balanced brainwave or less of that fight or flight surge so both all of those elements could be start starting as far as like a a behavior or an action sure um and then um getting struck by awe let's talk about that one yeah I i like this one this was fun to come across in literature and so we've actually seen in research 
that when we are witnessing awe, uh, so something that takes our breath away, if you will, or the beauty of art or nature or having a spiritual, emotional experience, this God art, if you will, right? When you are driving in your car and you look over a valley or you're seeing this beautiful sunset, whenever we actually are struck with something that feels remarkable, large, beautiful, we have lower levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines uh, and we will often see then this influence of wonder and beauty to promote healthy levels of cytokines. And so when we experience a walk in nature or meditating on our porch, putting our feet in the grass, even dancing and losing ourselves in live music, this can actually have a direct influence upon our health and on our life expectancy. So there were a couple studies where they looked at over 200 adults and what they did is they actually took a cheek swab of their tissue and they looked at their oral mucosal trans transudate and they looked at those on the days where they experienced some form of positive emotion from an awe of wonder or amazement and they had the lowest levels of cytokine interleukin-6 and both of these are pro-inflammatory chemicals and so it's believed that basically the signaling to the brain when we experience awe produces anti-inflammatory molecules and this offsets the influence of these cytokines and then we actually have more favorable serotonin and dopamine expression which supports controlled mood regulated appetite uh, favorable sleep and optimal memory so some anti-aging effects as well as some mood stability and i think one of the best ways to experience awe would be getting out in nature most definitely. Let's talk about that. So we can link our episode we did, I think, just a couple months back on forest bathing. Yeah, yeah. I think that was in December. And uh, I know that Becky and I have shared as we continue to balance out the grind of being on screens and working in clinic of trying to get out into our gardens or have functional passive ways to kind of put our hands in the dirt as a way of grounding and we've talked about how soil itself the microbes in soil we've seen in literature to be antidepressant so there's a lot of varied mechanisms when you get yourself into a natural scape that can be anti-inflammatory and mood stabilizing we even talked about i'll also link in our episode about vision updates Mm -hmm. where we talked about you know getting off of screens and the distance of our retina and cornea changing when we aren't getting at least an hour of light exposure in our eyes from natural sunlight and we know that actually in your ocular membranes you can actually aid in vitamin d levels uh actually making vitamin d if not wearing sunglasses for instance instance so there's there's I think many mechanisms of being outside but it really makes me click into whenever we're kind of at the start of a new year we're talking in January of reflecting about you know what do I want to do this year what are things I want to maintain from last year's healthy habits and what are things I want to adjust or change and I am really thinking back to when we first started podcasting like an episode I think it was like 44 or something like that and it was like recalibrating your bliss or something with the word bliss in it rediscovering your bliss and I remember as a almost direct quote that I was talking about my move to hill country and the direct desire was that I wanted to passively experience 
an awe jaw drop on a daily basis. And so the area where we positioned ourselves in the valley in Austin at that time was just one of those, like I could open my sliding door and look out over that valley and feel like I had to pick up my jaw off of the deck (laughs) because it was just so beautiful to me. And uh, I think that that definitely played a role in grounding my central nervous system, especially from the excitatory survival stress of transitioning my clinic Mm -hmm. and feeling the nervous system imbalances of being a new mom and trying to figure out how to wear all of the many hats. Uh, So I can absolutely directly connect to that. And then I think, you know, life, whatever, kind of lost me there where we bought a different house in in Austin that was much more uh, urban, if you will, uh, great walkability to restaurants and cool hip stuff for all the events I was doing. But I absolutely lost that nature effect. And I, I think it could be for sure compounded with 5G and other excitatory elements of, of course, pandemic and survival mode. But I would attribute when I reflect back and when I walk on my property out here in the hill country, I I absolutely can say that there is a physiological, mental, emotional shift when I feel absolutely in in the beauty of nature. Yeah, you're you're getting the again. We're, we're getting back, back to it. <laughs> going back. I made a wrong turn. I'm righting my wrongs. All good. Um, okay, and we talked um, in episode two twenty two about the importance of oxytocin. Yes. Um, let's cover that a little bit. So this hormone and natural antidepressant or mood stabilizer we see boosted with a twenty second hug, with cuddling, with sex with any kind of touch or connection. Yes. So a refresher, episode 222 was when we talked about the depression immune connection. And this was during pandemic when we were talking about social isolation and how individuals actually can have physiological fight or flight response to just being alone. And I think this is important to just say out loud and kind of pause because we are in a endemic of depression, anxiety, mental illness, and absolutely concerns of suicide rates and such. And so if we're at this stage of of knowingness of anyone in our life that is isolated, simple ways of reaching out, whether it's writing them an actual letter or leaving them a voicemail or connecting for a, a tea or coffee date could really have a huge imprint on that individual. And it really goes to show, I was talking about a patient that was wearing a CGM, for instance, and the only time their blood sugar was optimal was during ballroom dancing because they had their hands on another human. Mm. And that otherwise, when they were in the isolated mode, that that fight or flight epinephrine adrenaline surge was spiking glucose levels very irregularity. Uh, So just being in the presence of others can be enough. And I would say if you're someone listening that doesn't have a deeply knit community, this is probably a call to action to figure out, you know, whether it's joining a church, whether it's joining a community group, whether it's volunteering and walking dogs, whatever you can do to start to integrate around other human beings that have healthy habits as a way to even passively kind of feed off of that connection. And then, you know, I think that this is another kind of call to action to 
motion creates motion or energy feeds energy. And so even if it's starting with sitting outside on a park bench and witnessing people out in nature, starting to passively get yourself out in nature, maybe doing a hike right today isn't the first line of defense. Maybe it's driving yourself to a park and sitting on a bench, but trying to find ways to get these connections, I think are absolutely essential. And if you can layer in some bliss and awe, even better. I keep seeing these funny, um, I guess they're reels that are like my stupid walk for my stupid mental health or something like that. I don't know if you've seen those, but taking my stupid walk for my stupid mental health. And it's like, it's really a thing. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, research actually shows that individuals feel better after a walk if they, as compared to if they didn't take one in the first place. Yep. So just starting there would be a really great way yep. to get moving. And then, you know, if you feel that you're isolated, then considering a pet would be another sure. way to yeah, yeah. boost not only, you know, we've talked about immune response with pets, but definitely we can get oxytocin even with a cat or a dog. Yep. Yep. Snuggle effect is real. And then if you can get a little teeny itty bitty baby placed on your chest that's like the ultimate yep. Yep. <laughs> offer to offer to watch someone's kids you'll get plenty of oxytocin and laughs sure. and all of the things um all right let's cover birth control um because this is a big one and and certainly not part of the whole informed consent <laughs> discussion that doesn't no happen doubt. when women go on birth control no doubt so you mentioned the connection of the iud's and the influence of copper now if we're talking about uh oral contraceptives and hormonal contraceptives uh this is what we're kind of going to dig into at this stage of the game and so in 2016 there was a retrospective study of over a million women aged 15 to 34 and they looked at the role of hormonal contraception as driving rates of depression. And so they considered the progestin-only oral birth control as well as the combo oral birth control, which has the synthetic estrogen and progesterone. And then they looked at progestin-based vaginal rings as well as patches and IUDs. And it's important to note kind of what's the mechanism of these hormonal contraceptives. And the mechanism is to prevent ovulation, right? And so I think we've seen more and more exposure pieces of how, you know, your period is not a real period that, you know, that's why we take these placebo pills if you're taking a oral contraceptive and that actually just drives the uh, blood influence um, or the shedding of the uterine lining to some level to help women to feel quote unquote regular or you know like their body is on track. But oral contraceptives in their hormonal mechanism actually prevent ovulation. So the luteal hormone and the follicular stimulating hormone levels are suppressed and there is no mid-cycle surge of luteinizing hormone. Uh, and then there's also not an endogenous steroid level, uh, which is at a level to actually express sexual hormone balance. So there's no ovulation and we'll often see a thickening of cervical mucus. And that's what's going to play the mechanism of decreasing sperm penetration or altering the endometrial tissue so that there cannot be implantation. So that's kind of the mechanism there. But one of the big things to remember is that both LH and FSH levels are suppressed and no ovulation occurs. Okay. And when you're altering the body's natural hormone levels, um, this has been shown to contribute to depressed mood, anxiety, and increased irritability in women. Yes. So that missing of that 
cyclical surge of ovulation in itself is a strong proposed mechanism to drive depression. And then we know that hormonal contraception itself is also known to deplete nutrients. And what's interesting is, I'll name some of the nutrients and you'll raise your eyebrows because we've talked about almost all of them. So we see depleted levels of folate, depleted levels of B2, B6 and B12. So those are all of those different forms of those methyl drivers and supporters for B vitamin status, which act as cofactors. We've seen low levels of vitamin C. We've seen lower levels of minerals, including magnesium and zinc. So, you know, these are literally all of the things that we listed. And then there's more nutrient deficiencies that we can see even with vitamin E and selenium, etc. And we've seen that oral contraceptives have actually been shown to induce the depletions of these nutrients. So it's this combination of vitamin and mineral deficiency along with hormonal suppression that likely is contributing to the depression and mood changes in people that are taking these synthetic hormone tools. Yes, and and often we're on these for years and years. So there's a lot of kind of damage done that needs to be you know, repleted as far as the nutrients go. Um, We will link the Daisy Fertility Tracker, which is a highly accurate and um, hormone-free option for birth control um, and also for family planning, depending on where you are in that Mm -hmm. spectrum. Um, And the podcast um, that we talked the most about birth control and women's hormones was way back in 106 and 107, if Mm -hmm. that sounds right. I think we could also link, we have an updated one. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but on painful periods and birth control updates. And I believe that was at least in the 200s. But I will call out that Daisy Fertility Tracker. So that's looking at your basal uh, body temperature. And it does take a minute to get to know your body, but once it does, it is 100% of course hormone free and highly accurate. And so this is a great thing to employ if you and your partner are looking for prevention of pregnancy and don't want to use a condom, which would not have a hormonal influence. That'd be the recommendation as one way to prevent pregnancy uh, without hormone influence. And then if looking, like you said, Becky, for fertility, you'll get actual times where it'll give you a different light a red light and that's when you actually would want to have more intercourse to support uh, goals of pregnancy. I will also state that the DAISY has come out with a teen one which is not um, in the same kind of language if you will as far as for fertility use and it's just to help teens to get to know their menstrual cycles and also to support with managing painful periods and just kind of get to know your body. Uh, So I think that that's a really great tool as well for listeners and definitely in my household, if Stella has any hormone drama, that'll be the first place we'll start is getting information about what's going on in her body and her cycle versus suppressing it and creating a facade or a fake cycle and driving potential deficiencies and mental disturbances. My goodness, I wish that existed when I was a teenager. Right. (laughs) Right. Instead of the Band-Aid birth control, here you go, stay on this the rest of forever. Yes. Um, All right. Um, Let's wrap things up um, and talk a little bit more about a few more formulas of focus. We hit some specific nutrients there with omega-3s, vitamin D, uh, magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C. Um, But let's talk a little bit about the use of Calm and Clear and GABA Calm as 
foundational tools to really harness that HPA access. Yes. And I feel like I'll also throw in Adaptogen Boost because as we closed part one, that was the recommended bundle is our stress manager bundle. So when I look at supplemental tools, there's of course all of that science and strategy of those particular nutrients that we discussed. But when I think about supplemental supplementation, excuse me, I think about, you know, is this a foundational tool to regulate the HPA access and kind of harness that fight or flight stress surge and response that could create mental illness? Or is this an on-demand formula that's going to be something that would be pulsed in based on times of the day, maybe a demand such as taking your toddler on an errand when they skip their nap (laughs) or uh, having a conversation with an ex or some other interpersonal driver of stress that could create significant rage, irritability, or uh, anxiety, or fight or flight surge. So we think of these on-demand formula times of need of the GABACalm, which is going to be a neuroinhibitory compound that will help your body and brain to feel safe versus in that survival mode. So GABACalm is one that we would take if we have an anticipatory time of stress and we want to instead tell the body, you don't have to survive, you don't have to go into fight mode, you're safe, all is well. Generally speaking, one to two chews at time of stress or anxiety or irritability should help to deflate that surge, if you will, and kind of vent the steam train on the tracks. Uh, This is one that we'll often use even um, from toddlers onward, but is a really great one to play with with children if they have too much of that excitatory neurotransmitter. Maybe they run high glutamate in their brain and this is where we're seeing more of that ADHD or aggression or uh, excitatory reactivity where they're not mellowing out. Um, And so GABA can be a great way for them to have that bioidentical form of this neurotransmitter that is inhibitory and grounding. Uh, And I will say when you're looking at GABA, what's unique about our GABA Calm is that our GABA Calm uses a bioidentical form and that is actually manufactured through the same fermentation strain that is used in kimchi. So through this fermentation process, we have this biologically identical form of GABA that supports both in our central nervous system and in our enteric nervous system to mellow out and aid in less shakiness, less irritability, less fight or flight, white knuckle surge, less impulse issues, and can help us to feel grounded and safe. So pretty key formula. And that one I would think of as more punchy. But if dealing with mental illness, this might be one that we preemptively kind of layer into our day to help to kind of get back to that safe reset point. Sure. And then the calm and clear comes in on the more like foundational side of things, right? Yeah. So Calm and Clear is not a bioidentical neurotransmitter. Calm and Clear is going to be a combination of a nutritional formula, which has B vitamins and amino acids, as well as a combination with herbal compounds. And so Calm and Clear is kind of, if I think of like a boat or a, what is that? A pendulum swing, if you will. Calm and Clear is going to bring that swing back into a more regulated mode where the body is not in this stressed and wired or stressed and tired place. 
Uh, it's going to aid with those B vitamins as noted as a great way to support as cofactors for neurotransmitters. It has taurine in there and taurine has been shown to be a mood stabilizing uh, compound and uh, taurine can also reduce excessive adrenaline and aid with GABA production. And then another amino acid in there, L-theanine, aids with alpha brainwave activity and can support concentration, focus, creativity, as well as sleep regulation. So there's this kind of calm alertness. And uh, then there's also even phosphatidylserine, which will block excessive serot excuse me, excessive excitatory cortisol release. And then it has a blend of nervine and adaptogens. So there's some ashwagandha in there as an adaptogen. And then there's going to be nervine compounds uh, such as valerian to help to mellow out that fight or flight surge. Okay. Um, so super, super important formulas. And then you mentioned the adaptogen boost as well. And I think of that more so like if we're feeling kind of flat, yes. low, uh, more depressed, low energy fatigue, that could be a fabulous tool as well. Yes. And we've seen the three components in adaptogen boost, which are rhodiola, panax, ginseng, and cordyceps, uh, each of them actually to enhance cognitive clarity, to reduce fatigue or aid in resilience, and uh, can have antidepressant effects, especially the rhodiola in there. Uh, so definitely that would be one that would be a powerful player. So you're using the calm and clear to kind of regulate the adaptogen boost to have vigor and drive, and then that GABA calm to kind of be a landing gear during those surges. Yes. All right. Love it. Um, so super, super important. Um, and, you know, just to kind of punch out what we talked about um, between the two episodes that yes. this has become, um, we are focused on reducing inflammation via the diet. We are focused on reducing blood sugar and potentially even exploring ketosis. We are focused on ample nutrient intake of focus and consideration of supplementation, especially if there are deficiencies. Um, we're focused on supporting the microbiome balance with probiotic use and then getting out in nature and exploring this concept of awe. And I think these are all practical, doable approaches to really optimize mood and combat mental illness. Absolutely. So just before we let you go, because I don't like to just dump a bunch of supplement wrecks on you, let's give you some food as medicine that work in synergistic application. So of course, a lot of the recipes in the anti-anxiety diet, as well as in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook could be fabulous for you to lean into for mental health. And you can use that code anxiety15 to save on the bundle of books. But some things I will call out, uh, for instance, our turmeric lemonade would be a fabulous go-to. This is going to pair that highly anti-inflammatory curcuminoid from turmeric with the bioflavonoids in your citrus, giving you a boost of vitamin C there. And that would be a great way to also support as kind of like a, a wake up before workout. Um, great way to kind of get your engine running there with a boost of vitamin C. And that also makes me think of our vitamin C boosting smoothie, which we can share as a YouTube video that we've done. And that includes things like raspberries. It uses a little bit of coconut oil in there and also some zest from citrus. And then we include a bio C plus capsule in that recipe to take it kind of to the next level. 
Yep. And you mentioned the um, nori salmon roll up. So we will link those. Um, I think organ meatballs would be a fantastic um, synergy, um, especially for B vitamin support as well. Um, So I'll go ahead and link that. Actually, it's a YouTube video too. Look at yes. us all over YouTube. Yes. Um, and then um, getting your leafy greens daily. So maybe doing our cream of greens soup where you just blend a bunch of leafy greens with mm-hmm. some garlic and um, bone broth um, for a really yummy, you know, alternative to a, a green mm-hmm. smoothie. Yeah. On a day like today, that yep. feels more appealing. Exactly. Um, and then last but not least, incorporating those probiotic rich foods. So, you know, getting in the kimchi, the sauerkraut, the probiotic pickles and things of that nature. Okay. And then we have a a two-part episode all about neurotransmitters specifically, which I'll also link in the summary notes because I know we've mentioned a couple of them and didn't go into a deep dive of defining them. But if you or an individual in your household is dealing with mental illness, and again, you are either on a medication or looking to transition medication or reduce medication at any level of that intervention, I would highly recommend our Neurohormone Complete Plus panel. It will give you a baseline based on where you're at as your foundation, so whether you are on a medication or not, where your neurotransmitter expression is at, so you can look more individualized at your brain and body's needs. And that panel will also assess hormones, as we noted that hormone connection is key as far as progesterone uh, deficiency and the influence with mood. And then you'll even get a good snapshot of where your adrenal status is at, because adrenal insufficiency can definitely drive apathy, that affect and this overall burned out depressed mode. So the neurohormone complete plus would be for women or the neurohormone complete and that's a combination of saliva and urine and then you get a customized email review from Becky or myself with specific strategy and we would give you feedback goals on supplement needs based on specifically your labs. And then the only other lab I want to just call out as a consideration would be our micronutrient test. And this would be another one that would help us to dig deeper of, you know, actually looking at where your status of vitamin C and zinc and these various forms of B vitamins are at so that we can also monitor and ensure optimal status through really repleting the areas of deficiency or need. So we will link those labs as well as all of the resources discussed in today's episode. And again, if you'd like to take us up on that code KETO100, you can save $100 off our 12-week Food is Medicine virtual ketosis class. One of my favorite testimonials is always hearing individuals say that they feel like themselves again in their brain and their body, or they're no longer white knuckling cravings, or they feel grounded and energized. And I just find ketosis as a really powerful foundation for optimizing mental health. And we'd love to support you in your process. So you can go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and check out the 12-week virtual food as medicine ketosis class under books and programs. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.